what are you doing? That's my canteen. Yeah, I'm peeing in your canteen. You'll thank me later when we run out of water. What the? F- I saw the note on the calendar. We're going into the wild. I've been watching some survival shows to prepare. Hand me your hat. All right, first, stop peeing in my canteen. Pee on your own hat. I already did. We're not going into the wild. We're talking Unearth Arcana into the wild. This week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bill. You have a towel? Hello. No, I don't, but... I'm glad it was your canteen. A Swiffer, maybe? Because <laughs> not only did he pee in my canteen, he's not particularly accurate. Well, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, I've had plenty of uh, plenty of marksman, marksmanship practice, but <laughs> I don't know. It's a smaller hole than the bowl, you know? It's a canteen. Not anymore. It's your canteen. You'll be thanking me when we run out of water. I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, you'll take his canteen, and we'll just take yours. That's going to be full of water, and then we won't run out of water. It's either that, or it's a saltwater enema. Yeah, I saw Bear Grylls do that. It looked uncomfortable. <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine why. It was a very awkward part of the episode. <laughs> Unlike this right now, and like. <laughs> We're talking about Into the Wild, so uh, Unearthed Arcana. Granted, uh, this is three years old. Well, how, how <laughs> but, about before that, we give our some of our listeners a thanks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah let's we do that. To. We have some yes. other stuff to do. Um, the great state of California has done something amazing, hey. not just with wine and acting, but... They it, rocked it this, this month so far. Yeah. Yeah, they're... It, Listenership skyrocketed in California, yeah. so that's awesome. Thank you. Yes, very much. Yeah, tell all your friends. And for the other 49 states, all right, uh, let's pick up the slack. Yeah, okay. guys, come on, you're better than this. Get your head in the game. Come on, we're counting on you. Especially Massachusetts. Especially Massachusetts. Hometown, I might. That's right. Yeah. The glorious Commonwealth. And we're moving on. And we're moving <laughs> on. We are, we're having a hard time here. Right. We have a pile of stuff that we are trying to give away. Big pile of stuff. And it's huge. And so it's still going on. Guys, we want to give you like a pile of stuff. Help us out. Uh giveaway's still going a, a, on. A couple of reviews. That you know, it's it's not yeah, that difficult. Do a review on um Apple or or Podchaser. Pod or even now. Podbean, if you're using Podbean, our app. new home. Yep, if you use an app, you can always leave us something there. Yep, that is uh, that is true as well. You know, one of the things that makes it even more convenient because we care about your convenience because you're our listeners and you're awesome. Uh, we put all the links you need on our homepage at the dungeonmasterdojo.com. So head over to there. 
and there'll be a link to everything that'll open up in a brand new window so you don't have to keep hitting the back button because that could be like frustrating and really inconvenient, especially if like you're doing it at work and your boss walks in and then you got to close all these windows. So there's even a, there's even a photo of all the stuff you can get. Yeah, there is. So and it just lists a description of everything. That's and there. it's a lot. I think we went a little overboard, um, but you guys are worth it. So even if you know what, have have the folks in your gaming group pop on, send us an email, leave us a review, uh, introduce them to the podcast because I know you guys probably have a gaming group. Right? I would hope so. Yeah. Um, I will apologize though. I these guys wouldn't let me put two pounds of hardtack in along with everything else. No, um, no, we we care about. We you. realize, <laughs> yeah, we realize how expensive dentistry is. It would have came with instructions. Yes, do not eat. <laughs> um, so yeah, go ahead and do that. Head over to dungeonmastersdojo.com. Click on those links. Leave us a uh, leave us some a comment, a comment, a, re- a review, a review. Say something good. Say something bad. We don't care. You're leaving us a review. Yeah, and uh, send us an email Yeah, to let us know that you did that, and you will automatically, automatically, the millisecond that that happens, you will be entered into our super high-tech database where a winner will be selected once we hit 500. 500. I know there's at least 500 of you out there. And the thing about sending an email, you can do it right from our, our webpage, and yes, it, you it can. generates it for you and sends it to us. Yeah, and that's even more convenient. And then we will we will pick a winner, and we will let you know, whoever the winner is, that we're sending out this boatload of, of stuff to you. And you really will have everything you need to start running a game. I mean, there's... There's dice in there. How many dice sets? 12. 12? 12, 12, di- 12 dice sets. 12 yeah. dice sets. Four dice trays. Four dice trays. Starter set. There's essential set. My God, it's, there's the so much stuff. Yeah, Von Richten's. Um, a th- couple uh, OSRs are in there. Isn't there Curse of Strahd? Curse, yeah, the Curse of Strahd, yeah. The box set. The box, box set. set. Yep. Not the book. The boxed set. It's shaped like a coffin. There's probably a real vampire in there, so be careful opening it. I suggest garlic bread. Just very, to say a so. very short vampire. It's <laughs> not a big box. But halfling vampires can be dangerous as well. That they can. Damn ankle yeah. biters. Yeah. Get you on that ankle. You're done. Done. So, please, contact us. Jump on there. Leave a review. And... Get a chance to get a boatload of stuff. A ton of stuff. All right. We've pleaded enough. Let's move on. Yeah. Into the wild. Into the wild we go. Let me go get my backpack. I'll be right back. Yep. I've got a canteen full of urine all ready to go in case we... You can keep that. And Bill's hardtack. Bill's... The... um. <laughs> well, that urine will soften up the hardtack, won't it? I'm not going to find out. Years ago, back in the old days, yep. right? So this this unearthed arcana is supposed to be well, it's it's unofficial. So I imagine mm-hmm. at some point in time, it's going to make its appearance in a book or something like that. Um, it's supposed to be kind of a supplement to Chapter Five of the Dungeon Master's Guide and Chapter Eight of the Player's Handbook. We had 
God, there was tons of stuff. Tons of stuff back in the day. Second edition had to have been the most complete edition of the game ever as far as I, I don't think they left any stone unturned. I, I don't know if it was the most complete. I think fourth edition had over 80 books at one time before they were even done. Yeah, 80, 80 books. I mean, that's that's great. That's a lot. That's a lot. But it was fourth edition. I didn't play it. Well, And how many of those second, were... Uh, modules or campaigns or supplements or whatever you call them these days. Yeah, I would, I am curious. I bet you a second edition has, has fourth beat with, with stuff. Oh, I'm sure it does. It was, um, I, and for me, it was a more complete, uh, rounded. Than yeah. I mean, it, it, fourth edition. we had the, uh, well, the wilderness survival guide was, right. was the, the book that you went to for such things such mm-hmm. as surviving in the wilderness. Um, it's an, implied in the name if you must know and it dealt with a, a lot of a lot of the stuff here now in reading through this i don't know i don't know your thoughts a lot of it seems like like common sense all right first off common sense is no longer common and that's how you know i'm old somebody is old <laughs> is when they is when their common sense isn't so damn common and and the only thing like when bill really wants to accentuate the fact that he's making a solid point from from centuries of wisdom. Oh, here it comes. And he's having a meal. He will gesture with his fork while doing that so that you know you you better listen because there's some wisdom That's old being school. dropped. Yep. I'm so badass. I even use a fork with my tapioca pudding. Yeah, he eats an apple with a pocket knife. Well, doesn't everybody? Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to get your tongue cut. I'm speechless, Scott. Yeah. I've never cut myself or anyone Neither else by accident. But uh, for for an experienced dungeon master, uh, game master, whatever title you want to give to yourself, a lot of this is all common sense stuff. But I think it is really valuable for a fledgling DM, someone True. who is a novice, if you will, or just not as 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 experienced. Some people just don't have any personal experience with the outdoors. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and that's, I mean, think of it, if you're in a, a, a ferry, you know, if you're in a city, how often do you, I mean, the park is maybe, maybe once yeah. a year at camp or something like that. But, uh, and that's few and far between. You just don't have a lot of exposure to the wilderness. Yeah. Um, oh, that's true. Um, I grew up in the wilderness. You know, well, maybe, they didn't have cities back then. No, they didn't. I mean, just, I mean, everyone was feral. Yeah. And, you know, and then poof, here comes Sumer and Babylon and, I think I still have my first loincloth. I don't know. I went to shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're right. For someone who's brand new and doesn't have a lot of experience with with running this or personal experience with wilderness in general, this could be very, very helpful because it will give you some guidelines. You could take some cues from movies and things like that, but that's a lot of that sensationalized, and there's a lot of... um, mm, uh, I don't know, author or, and or producer uh, influence in that. So sometimes it's not necessarily true. I think as, as, as far as how you set up a, a campaign in the wilderness or outside of a dungeon or a city or, you know, a castle or fortress, whatever have you, this does a, a pretty good job of giving you an idea of... Um, you know, what the different 
different phases of of the adventure potentially could be true um you know choose a destination right that's that's important where are we going yeah. uh, point a to point b you got to have a yep. point b and uh you know whether or not that's that's chosen immediately at the at the beginning or later on all depends on on the uh the dm and what you know what the adventure is it it may be a okay i need you to go really from point a to point b and pick this up or research this or look for that or whatever have you and then come back or it could be you're shipwrecked somewhere mm-hmm. and you don't you don't know where your 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 destination is yet you're Lou, looking for where civilization is or whatever have you Lou did you notice how he looked right at me when he said you're shipwrecked why, I did why, I did. why I, is it he had that 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 little why, glint almost like he why had, is that I, because never never get on a boat in one of Bill's campaigns because it's going to it's going to fucking sink. Every boat in Bill's campaign was designed by the same person that built the Titanic. That shit is sinking, but they were luxurious. So the so the first thing you do if you got to get on one of Bill's boats it's is know where the li- know where the lifeboat is first of all and take your metal armor off so you don't sink to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, cuz just cuz you can swim doesn't mean you're not going to sink if you're wearing it. Right. Yeah, I had a lot of players forget that. Yep, all We're, that padding underneath the armor. That soaks up all so, that water. <laughs> yep, it's an extra 100 or so pounds. And metal's heavy. Metal is heavy. Even chain mail, it is scale not mail. Yep. No. Doesn't matter how strong you are. Yes. You're just a, a flailing anchor. Yep. And there you go. So remember that. Don't get on a boat captain by Bill. Um. Like you said, point A to point B, uh, perhaps it's it's as simple as just follow the yellow brick road. Okay, fine. A lot of the, a lot of times there there is a path, then there isn't, or vice versa. You can change it up halfway through. Depends on the scenario. If you're going to a well-known castle, there's probably a road. If you're going to a castle yeah. that's abandoned in ruins, that road is probably in just as bad a shape, if not worse. That is true. Nature has a habit of taking things back real fast. Here's a question for you guys. Oh, do tell. How do you determine the time and length of travel when you're in the wilderness from getting from point A to point B? I know a lot of people will spread it out and possibly overdo it, and some people are probably just too short. What is your take on that? Yeah, I think I think there's a happy medium. You know, where if you're gonna if you're gonna travel, a lot of our big campaigns involve uh, travel, lots of travel, yeah, long distances. And having a, a a pretty clear idea of where you're going is is important, of course. But I only like to use I only like to get into travel if it's consequential. So if if the party's traveling somewhere, is there a plot hook that's gonna, you know, show up? Some encounters that are uh potentially going to move the story forward. Any number of things, and then I'll, I'll, I'll certainly have have that in there. If if it's just okay, this is a well traveled road, and you're going from one city to the other, a well guarded caravan. Generally, I won't bother too much with it because uh, the chances of something happening, unless it's to further the plot, um, isn't really worth worth the time. But there's a lot of different factors in in travel. Are there oh, roads? Absolutely. Are yeah. you riding? Are you riding on a horse? Are you in a wagon? What's what's the weather? Mm-hmm. Is you know is it winter? Is it spring and everything's all muddy? 
Are you laden with supplies? Is someone injured? You're only going to go as fast as your slowest party member, too. You know, so that's something to keep in mind as well. And we're talking about the wilderness, too. And a lot of times, you can just turn around and say, okay, I'm hunting and I'm foraging. Okay, depending on what time of year, there might be nothing to forage. Yeah. So now you are laden down with more supplies. It's Everyone loves springtime. It's warm, it's green, it's beautiful. Problem is there's nothing to eat. Nothing's grown yet. It's still too early, especially early spring with a little bit of, I mean, you got plenty of water, still snow and, and whatnot, but the I use the weather a lot because I do have a, a background in wilderness survival and stuff like that, so I will bring the elements of that in. And like he said, if it's not plot specific and it doesn't further the story, then there's really not much use. It's just, it basically it's a waste of time to throw a bunch of encounters to injure and or possibly kill a party member for no reason other than uh, it's something to do before you get there. You know, you, you could jeopardize your your party members as well as your story by injuring and or killing somebody because of bad dice rolls or someone makes a, a stupid decision or makes a great decision and the dice decided they're going to do stupid things. So why take that chance and just say, all right, well, you, it took you two weeks. And in the meantime, you've done some studying and some sparring and, you know, and you worked with him and she worked with you and you both worked with that guy. And, and, you know, you've, you furthered your studies a little bit, you know, towards your next levels and you're, and then you move on. I will use on occasion, if the story is real heavy, I'll use an encounter or two, maybe to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, getting in a food fight with an old man with some cabbage because he won't move his cart off the bridge is, you know, things like that, just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. And it helps bracket those serious moments. You just had a big uh, fight. People are hurt. Uh, you lost the item that you were supposed to get, and now you're in, you know, chasing them down. And here's this stupid old man who won't move his ass or his cart um, or his horse off of the the bridge, and you need to get by, and he's blocking the whole thing. Now, do you help him? Do you hinder him? Uh, he gets into a food fight, starts hucking cabbage and, and tomatoes at you, and it helps lighten the mood a little bit, and then you can get back into the serious stuff. We had uh, we had rangers back in the day and druids, and if you were doing any sort of like wilderness anything, one of those was essential to have in the party, and that's yep. one of the big gripes I have with 5th edition. As much as I like this rule set, there's no specialists Right, everybody is, everybody's pretty much the same. They're cookie cutter. Um, where your your rangers and your druids and that sort of thing, they they really shined in a wilderness setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they right. had their moment. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a shame that I mean, to some degree, they would too in in fifth edition, but it just seems like everybody can do everything. Yeah, well, I've been saying right along, it seems like they're homogenizing yeah, quite which, a bit. Which is and too it, bad. In, and, I, yeah, I think every supplement that comes out just blends them a little bit more. Some of these subclasses are taking abilities from other classes. And you're right, everyone, I mean, if you're a hero, you're everyone starts at epic level because you can do everything everyone else can. Yeah, yeah. There, there doesn't seem to be any flaws. There's no vibrant colors. There it's you all, go. It's all yep. shades of gray. Yep. Which is which is too bad. So they give you this rule for navigation DCs, and it's it's pretty solid, I think. Yeah, they do a pretty good job. I mean, DCs are not all that difficult. Destination lacks a path, but is in dense terrain, such as a forest or mountains with a DC fifteen. That's that's about what I you know yeah what I throw at it. And then it gets 
really hard where, you know, it's hidden using illusions and other magic at DC 25. It's hidden. You're not supposed to be able to find it easily. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that the chart does, I mean, there's obviously more there, but they do a really good job of kind of blending it up. And I think the numbers are pretty much where they need to be on that. And then there's, you know, there's activities they, they, they come up with, which is, uh, you know, choo- everybody chooses an activity. What are we doing? You know, maybe I'm hunting or foraging or something like that. One person has to be navigating so you don't get lost. Yep. It's, uh, it's a little too much like playing house for my tastes. Again, I like to have, you know, any travel that's happening, there's got to be like a purpose for playing it out. You know, what is, what is going on? Well, the other side of the coin is you have a bunch of players with skills. And if you keep pushing them through the areas where they can use those skills, what's the sense of having the skills? Right. So you got to kind of balance it a little bit. Yeah. You know, resolving activities like navigation, of course, is important. Becoming lost if you just if you don't navigate well. They have a a pretty short table on you know becoming lost. They do, but at least they they addressed it. Yeah, which I, is important because well, what's the sense of navigating it if you never get lost and there's no penalty for getting lost? Right. Um, random encounters are something that I always like to have in in wilderness travel, and we started doing this a while ago. Where random encounters, well, they're not always combat-oriented. You know, sometimes oh, no your random encounter is a weather event, which I think in, in the wilderness is is equally as... Very applicable. Uh, yeah, and, and just as dangerous as, you know, a, a band of bandits or orcs or something. So I like to I like to have a custom kind of random encounter table. Well, we've for, both done that for years where we've generated, yeah. you know, 10, 15, 20 items 30. or more. Or more, oh, 30, yeah. 30 is the sweet spot. 30 is the sweet spot. It is now. More on that later. We'll uh, we'll come up with a whole bunch of them. And you're right, the majority of them are non-combat. Now, remember, you're not the only thing out there foraging and scavenging and trying to get by day-to-day either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you could run into some pretty weak and and mediocre monsters, but you could stumble into something really big and nasty. Because they just happen to come out of their lair and decide to go munch on something or go take a crap or, you know, you never know why you're going to bump into one of these things. But you look over the hillside and you see like a Zorn. And the last thing you want to do is mess with that at third level. Yep. Uh, And there's no reason to. It doesn't know you're there yet. And even if it does, sometimes an expeditious retreat might be in order. And there's this, there's this thing now, and I, I I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm, kind of crapping all over fifth edition, but there was this thing with balanced encounters that is, 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 has been happening more and more frequently as we've gotten away from the older style of encounters, mm-hmm. um, where they're all balanced, you know, and you brought up the, you know, the, a third level party in a Zorn, you know, you probably wouldn't see that in a fifth ed encounter, but Back in the old days, not every encounter was supposed to be an encounter. Exactly. And not every encounter was a winnable encounter either. You had to you, you had, had to figure it out. You had limitations and, and recognizing those limitations was part of being a good player. Yeah. Uh okay, uh yeah, we're at the bunch of third level. But you know something? That dragon, we could take it. Why? Because fifth edition says it, it can't kill us right away. Yeah, bullshit. I and and I 
I think there's a lot to be said for those those encounters that you know you you should stray away from. It uh it really lets it really lets you know that okay it's dangerous out here. Yeah, you're not the top of the food chain. Yeah, and and that's that's important. So unbalance your encounters. Absolutely, I, I think is in a lot of this common sense is gone. People are actually trying to play their characters without using c- common sense. You know what they, from what I've read, a lot of people just my character. You know, like Bill says, not going to die instantly, and I can't technically die because somebody else is going to bring me back anyway with healing word or whatever. But I think a lot of common sense is gone from the game in, in some cases, and I think that's mainly the. I won't say the newer players, and I won't say the older players. I'll say it's the people in the middle, the inexperienced players. Yeah, that they're they're pushing the envelope a little bit too much. Yep. Yeah, and um, you know that's good. I mean, that's adventurous, but you can die doing that. So just understand that, okay? You know, it's like I, I'm all for unbalanced encounters. Not every encounter, but if you know, I I would I would throw a dragon in in a game with a third level party. Might be a sleeping dragon. Might be a dragon eating someone's livestock. Um. And then the party would have to decide. Are we going to go poke the dragon? Or are we just going to kind of slink away and go about our business? Hence, common sense. And when it yeah. turns and looks at you and goes, really? You, you want to do this? I'm actually going to give you a few moments to think this over. Yeah. You as a party member should think it over. Yeah. In, in the wilderness is a perfect place to put these unbalanced encounters. It is. Because like I said, even the big bads got to go out there yeah. and just go for a stretch, a walk, go get something to drink, eat, take a dump. Um, but just like everyday life, nothing is balanced. No. No, it is no. not. And, you know, I'm I'm on the the, uh, the same bandwagon as, as Scott here when it comes to the, the whole, the gravitating towards balanced encounters. Um, bad idea. Yeah, you you have you have to show them the limitations. You well, you have to let them experience their limitations. Yeah, and that's not to say yeah. build meat grinder. No, by like, no means, and know, it's not every encounter either. Yeah, you know because it's not. And it, it shouldn't be. You don't want that me against you mentality by any means. But throwing one in there once in a while just to say, okay, just yep. a reminder, you are not at the top of the food chain. Okay, you you barely qualify as a speed bump here. Yeah, in this particular encounter. So uh, just move along your merry way. Uh, keep quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Join your hard tack and, and, and move on to the next one. Mapping the wilderness. Hmm. Yeah, mapping is something that, um, wow, that's a relic from the very early days. Yeah, it is. Um, there was a party mapper, a yep. party spokesperson. Cartographer. Yep. And that uh, could we... That was actually a skill, if I remember. Yeah. Yep. Um, a cartography and limner. Yep. The cartographer was the one that read the map, and the limner was the one that actually made the maps. I think uh, I think, for the sake of nostalgia, that's pretty neat. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I, I never really met anybody that did an accurate job of mapping out well, anything. Based on and, description. Uh, based on description, you do the best you can. Because even skilled people that know how to map 
still have to work off of the resources that are given them. And if the resources are poor, so is going to be your map. So if you have a game master that cannot probably put forth a very good mental picture of what he has in his head, your map's going to suffer, no matter how good a limner or cartographer you are. But that's that's part of the joy, too, because that brings a little realism to it. And that's, I think that's probably the best point, you know, that you that for this whole mapping thing is because if I have a vision and I, I'll use a, an example um, when I was running the game at our week long with Eric, I believe I had sat down with him and said, and we look at the map that we had built and yeah. I said, this is where the warehouse is going to be. It's going to be on the edge of a cliff. And he misunderstood me and put it somewhere else. So it's kind of the same thing yeah. because yep. my yeah. description did not fit his description and he just, he moved it. And we just ran with it after that. But um, it's, it's the same, same thing. It's difficult to be on the same, the same page, especially when dealing with maps and the abstractness that, that is inherent in maps. Yes. Because scale to different people is different things. And just what I have or what I've seen, and I repeat it to you, and then you go to repeat it to Scott, it's going to change a oh, little bit. Oh, the interpretation. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. But again, that, I think that's the fun part. But I do like what they did with the mapping here because they, they actually brought up some of the skills involved in how those skills would apply to mapping. So you have athletics, history, nature, stealth, and survival. Now, survival is obvious. Athletics, to see whether or not you can get through uh, broken ground, difficult terrain, um, mountain peaks, and a failure slows the party and possibly causing injury. So you got to yeah. make that athletics. Your history to see if you remember where an old road was or the identity of the ruins that you just found. Um, maybe the correlating that between a myth or a legend, uh, nature, um, checking to make sure anyone identify what sort of creatures dwell in the area based on subtle clues. Like I said, you know, uh, you find this pile of crap that's two feet tall, you might want to stay away from the monster that left that, right? Um, stealth. Stealth. Uh, Dexterity for heavily patrolled areas that are under watch or trying to get around specific creatures that are possibly intelligent. And, and of course, survival is basically survival. Be able to get, you know, stay away from poisonous plants, stay away from uh, features like quicksand and stuff like that, other hazards, and then be able to find food and water. So I like the fact that they did address the different skills that could be used by different people. <laughs> You're outdoorsy bard. <laughs> He's really bad. That's to spend all his nights in the woods. Tactical terrain is something that I think is really key in encounters and in, in determining travel when, you know, I always try to think of your, your monsters, the foes for your party as things that think, I mean, they may not be the brightest, right? But, um, they're going to know to use certain things to their advantage. Particularly, you know, if you have kobolds or whatever have you, they're not they're not the most powerful of opponent. But certainly they would try to make up for that by ambushing in terrain that is going to slow down or encumber um the party, or they perhaps take the higher ground and rain stones and arrows and other thrown objects down on the party. 
So use that, use terrain to the benefit of your your party's opponents. One of the things I've done in the past is taken weakened or weaker monsters and they will draw the party into a heavy cover or bush a series of bushes or hedgerows or something like that that, that seems almost labyrinth like or maze like where they the creature knows it that's their everyday travels but the party doesn't and you can in that way sometimes split up some of the party members and then two or three you know kobolds that against a six party six member party is that has no chance but three kobolds against your one priest yep especially if there's you know they're setting snares or, mm-hmm. or, or traps or just enough to slow them down harry them and, and then they go in you know guerrilla tactics yeah exactly so so terrain could be very instrumental in that it, the ambient mood yeah they give you this sample region called the yeah. moon hills where they go through and they you know they give you the the mood the settlements any ruins or dungeons that might be in the area and and exploration you know what's what's worth checking into it is almost reminiscent of keep on the borderlands which was very much so like a a wilderness slash dungeon crawl yeah. kind of um adventure module right um i think this is i think this is a neat piece of work um honestly though uh if in my opinion if if you really want something to elevate your your wilderness game then see if you could pick up a copy of the wilderness survival guide it's second edition you know but the information in it is still good well, it's viable, yeah, because it, the conversion, what, what few things you need to convert over are very easy to yeah. do so. But most of the, the charts, are, I mean, a D20 chart is a D20 chart. A D10 yeah. chart is still a D10 chart. You're using the same die. Yeah, the the equipment yeah. is the same, you know, and, and for that matter, there's the Dungeoneer's Survival Guide, and I wanted to say there was a third one, but I don't remember what it is, or maybe I'm just like... I can't remember. The 80s and the early 90s are a little foggy for me. They're a blur. We understand. Yeah. We were there. Yeah. I was there. The 1880s? You were there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, I mean, there's a bunch of little charts here. Um, navigation DCs for this particular area. Um, planar confluence. Because you are dealing with the Feywild. So you sometimes can bump into things that are going to... Touch on other planes of existence. Um, then you have your tactical terrain as well. So they do a nice little job having a couple of things there. And you, all you do is just transfer this over. And if it's a, a much steeper, rockier area, then make your DCs a little harder and change your your explanations just a touch. And if it's a little smoother, desert. So you can use these charts, um, kind of. I was going to say, for a new DM, which we're going to put the link to this in, our, in the description, mm-hmm. this will be something for them to take. And they can actually use this. Uh, like the, what it was that first one called, uh, the the Moon Hills. The Moon Hills, yeah. They can actually use that in part of their adventure because it's set up for them, and at least they'll get yeah. an understanding. Yep. And be able to play through, it and then learn from it, and then make their own after. Yeah. Use use what's in here. To change a couple of names if you need to. Add names as Expand you do. On it. You yep. know, it, it 
if you already have the beginnings of a world or a world that you've been using and you have your own campaign setting, incorporate this, just change the names to match it to your campaign setting and boom, you're ready to go. So that way people are familiar with your world, but you have something laid out for you already. But even, I think uh, Scott calls these store-bought modules. Or yes. You can t- it's the retail modules. The retail modules, the campaign books. If you guys are doing traveling and you're not sure what to do in between, you could take something like this and just slice it right in there. And it gives you an idea of what we're talking about. Um, And this way you can actually, like Scott said, expound on it. Bill, like Bill said, change it up a little bit. And it'll become second nature in a couple, two or three tries. And this is a a good template as well. So you can take this and 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 you change it out. But it's, all right, I'm going to be in a desert. So now just think about what a desert's going to be like. Use the same DCs, but just go into your your incremental difficulties where there's a sandstorm instead of a forest. Right, because if you think about it, um, just because we say in the wilderness doesn't mean it has to be full of trees. No, the, the desert the, is its own wilderness. Your water, the ocean, the ocean, the, its the own wilderness, wilderness is somewhere yeah. where there is not civilization. Yep, and there's a lot of different areas that do not have civilization. And you can get a copy of the Wilderness Survival Guide. On the DMs Guild. I, I was just wondering what you're doing up. over on your, yeah. your yeah. tablet there. That's right. They they do all the old second edition yep. stuff. Yeah. It's it's worth grabbing um, to up your game. Uh, and I think it's uh, – there's no need to wait for 5th Ed to, to put something out like that. Go grab – check out the older editions. You don't have to buy a book that's 40 years old. No, or even go – where where do we get this on? Um, uh, on Earth Arcana? On Earth Arcana, yeah. We just go download that and this is a, a, a start and then – yeah, you may give you it may give you a little taste for it, and you may want to go get that book on um, uh, the DMs Guild. And there you go. And that's a look at the Unarthakana into the wild. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.